Hey, folks, thanks for listening to this edition of the Student Section Podcast. Quick reminder before we get underway, we are now live on YouTube. That's right, the Student Section Podcast is now bringing college sports talk over to YouTube. You can find us over there at Student Section Sports and receive the same great podcast every single time over there. Once again, we are at Student Section Sports on YouTube. You can also just look us up in the search bar. The link to our YouTube as well as all of our other platforms to consume the show are in our bio on Instagram, Twitter, the lot. You guys know all this. Be sure to go check out our blog at thestudentsection.net. And with all that being said, folks, we've got an action-packed episode ahead. So without further ado, let's get right into it, folks. Enjoy. Hey folks, happy Friday. How are we doing? Welcome into another edition of the Student Section Podcast, where we talk all things college sports. This is episode number 15. It's Friday, February 10th, 2023. And remember, we drop new episodes of this show every single Friday. You can find us on Instagram at Student Section Pod, or you can go hit us up online at thestudentsection.net. A lot of great content over there at our blog and also links to our other platform. Subscribe to the show. We are now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all your favorite platforms, YouTube as well. Download the show, rate it, share it with your friends. That's, that all helps us out quite a great deal. So with all that being said, folks, it's mock draft time. We are now in the buildup to the NFL draft. A lot of speculation, a lot of buildup for that. I'm so excited to continue to modify my mock draft going forward because this isn't really a version that I'm going to be satisfied with in four months' time. But with that being said, my Mock Draft 1.0 is out. We've got a lot to talk about when it comes to that. I did the entire first round, all 31 picks. We're going to go over a lot of those picks in today's podcast. I am super-duper excited to do so, kind of share my analysis with you guys. I like kind of telling people what I think about certain prospects, what I like about certain teams, what I think their needs are and how they can address them. No trades this time around, maybe next time, but this is strictly about player analysis and figuring out who the best players in this class are. So with all that being said, it's about time to get into the mock draft. I'm not going to waste any more of your time. Let's do it. Let's start off with the 101. Alright, starting out this mock draft with a bit of a bang at the 101 here. As we said, no picks are going to be traded, which means the Chicago Bears are on the clock. And I gave them Will Anderson Jr., the edge rusher from Alabama. Now, take this with a grain of salt because, like I said, there's about a 50-50 shot that Chicago deals this pick to somebody else. I don't know what the odds are of them even, you know, considering making a pick here. But to me, if they were to pick a player... Will Anderson is the guy that they want. Chicago ranked dead last in the NFL in total sacks and did not have a pass rusher rank in the top 100 at their respective position. Now, many people like Jalen Carter here, but I think Will Anderson is the most NFL-ready defender in this draft. A versatile arsenal of pass rush moves, great blend of size and speed. I think this is a no-brainer at the 101 for Chicago if they do decide to make this pick. He's an instant impact starter on the defense. He is an instant, 
in, in my opinion, an instant physical level to play in the NFL. He's got the size, as we said, and he's got the athleticism and the speed. So I think Will Anderson is the pick at the 101. Now, moving on to number two, I got the Texans taking C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State. And over the course of the coming months, I'm going to change this pick a million times. But at the moment, I believe that C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback in the draft, albeit by a very, very thin margin. I think that display against Georgia in the college football playoff semifinals kind of put him over the top and made him the number one at this very point. And I expect this pick to also hinge on whoever the Texans hired head coach, whoever that might be, might not want C.J. Stroud. And we later found out that that was D'Amico Ryans. Will he still go quarterback at two? We don't know. But for now, I like C.J. Stroud here. I might change this pick in my future mocks. But I also think that Houston needs to spend their other first-round pick on a weapon if they do decide to to, to draft a quarterback like Shroud. I don't think you can go defense with the 12th overall pick because of the complete lack of weapons on this offense, which is why I say they might not go with Shroud here. But anyways, moving on. Number three, this is where Jalen Carter goes off the board. I've got the Arizona Cardinals taking him, and this is a roster with a lot of holes. I don't think it's a very attractive head coaching destination, which is why they haven't landed a head coach yet. But with that being said, their 3-4 scheme desperately needs a big presence in the middle, and Jalen Carter fills that perfectly. Six foot three, 310 pounds. He's a tackle for Lost Machine. He's got brute strength, and... Much like Jordan Davis, the Georgia Bulldog, last year, his stats can kind of undersell just how good he actually is. But Jalen Carter is a stud at the NFL level, might be a bit more of a project than a Will Anderson might be, but I like him going off the board at number three here. He's fast, athletic for his size, he's got speed, footwork, bit of bit of a, you know... I'm not going to say a deep arsenal of pass rush moves, but he can get it done when rushing the quarterback, and he fills running lanes like it's nobody's business. So at the 103, Jalen Carter to Arizona. Now at the 104, I have the Colts taking C.J. Stroud off the board, Bryce Young off the board. C.J. Stroud obviously went at the 102, but the Colts are an interesting case to me because it feels like in the past they've tried to swing these deals for veteran quarterbacks which has, you know, led them on the path that they're on now. And at this point, I really don't think they're going to try and do that again. I think their best course of action is to kind of restart at the position, and Bryce Young's the perfect guy to do that. You know, guys have disparaged him because of his size, his frame. You know, not the biggest guy, but they also completely dismiss his Heisman Trophy winning skill set. He's a smart passer. He's got a pocket presence like no other. He has the ability to throw receivers open from nearly anywhere on the field. I think you saw a lot of that more than ever this year in kind of a, a down season for Alabama. The receiving core was not what it should have been for the Crimson Tide. Bryce Young still looked stellar at points in this season. And to me, the Colts are a much more attractive destination for a young quarterback here because they have a solid enough offensive line that I think will bounce back. They've got skill position players that can you can easily build around. You know, I'm expecting a resurgent year from Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, guys like that. 
But to me, the Colts are a much easier situation to walk to, uh, walk into and succeed for a young quarterback when you compare them to teams like the Texans. Now, we obviously don't know who the head coach of this football team is, but I think regardless, a quarterback is the choice at the 104. Moving on, another quarterback off the board. This one is sure to stir up a little bit of controversy. Will Levis, quarterback Kentucky, going to the Seattle Seahawks. And this could be difficult for Seahawks fans, and they might try to deny this after, you know, going on the season of a lifetime with Geno Smith. But I think, you know, it's going to be tough, put it this way, to use a pick this high on a project as long and daunting as Will Levis. But I think that's what Seattle needs to do now. Levis is a polarizing player, and I think he's the most polarizing player in this class by a long shot. You know, you look at his game film, you see a lot of interceptions, you know, overthrown balls, but what you also see is elite pocket presence, athletic marvels, very minimal blocking, subpar receiver play, and one thing you can't deny is this kid's got a rocket arm. Everyone wants to make the next Josh Allen, and I'm not saying this guy is the next Josh Allen. But he has a lot of the same flaws and strengths that Allen did in college. Again, this is a project. He probably won't make an immediate impact or start right away. But he could be the long-term answer, especially for a Seattle team that is rich in draft picks and young talent to build around him. Next up, at number six, defensive lineman Miles Murphy out of Clemson going to the Detroit Lions. Now, let's not fool ourselves here. Detroit was a phenomenal team this year, but... Their offense really masked a lot of the big issues that this team had, and they all start on the defensive end. 28th in total defense and 30th against the pass, and that was largely due to their inability to pressure the quarterback. Now, they've got Aiden Hutchinson, who is a bona fide superstar, and he can pair very nicely with the pass rushing ability of Murphy if you put them opposite each other, but... Murphy is a very multifaceted defender. He can plug the middle of a defense against the run. He can slide outside on passing downs. His skill set is the product of superhuman lateral quickness, which makes him a very valuable piece of a defense no matter where on that front seven you put him. Not to mention, Kid also comes from Clemson, a school renowned for producing elite pass rushers. All right, we're going pretty slow. I just looked at how long this recording's taken, so we're going to need to speed up with these picks here. At the 7, I have the Raiders going with Tyree Wilson, Edge, Texas Tech. Um, I'm going to preface this, though, by saying don't be surprised if the Raiders are one of those teams that trade up and pull the trigger on a quarterback, as we mentioned, with the Bears at the 101. But I think Tyree Wilson is a pretty safe bet if they decide not to. They need edge defending to go beside Max Crosby. Tyree Wilson, physical freak. That can do it all. Six foot six guy, bull rush strength. And like I said, he would be the beneficiary of an already very talented front seven there in Las Vegas. Eighth pick, Atlanta Falcons, Lucas Van Ness, defensive lineman, Iowa. And I wanted to point this out when I went to the Falcons now. The common trait shared by the league's worst teams in 2022 is undoubtedly the inability to consistently get pressure on the quarterback. Atlanta ranked 31st in the lead in sacks and allowed 230 passing yards per game because of that. Van Ness is a versatile guy who can uh, get sacks from both the interior and the edge. And obviously, you got to love Iowa defenders. The Phil Parker system has these guys NFL ready with, I mean, 
you know, time and time again, you've seen it. So, uh, moving on to the 109, Carolina Panthers, Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. This is my first kind of huge wrench of this draft, this or the Levis pick. Now, I want to say first, as an athlete, Anthony Richardson's a dream come true. He's 6'4", runs a 4'4", can throw the ball out of the stadium, and that that's translated to periodic success at Florida. But there are many things that I dislike about him as a quarterback. His decision-making hasn't shown much improvement throughout his starter, uh, his starting career, which is a massive red flag for NFL scouts. You know, if you watch his film, he makes the same mistakes in, you know, a recent start that he made 10 starts ago, and NFL scouts don't like to see that. You know, for an athlete of his caliber, his ability to manipulate the pocket, kind of his pocket presence, so to speak, is underwhelming for someone as fast as him. You know, in simple terms, he's just too raw for my liking, but that's not going to stop a team like the Panthers for trying to fix him and pull the trigger on him. Like I said with Levis, not a guy that's going to make an immediate impact, but everyone is obsessed with finding the next diamond in the rough, Lamar Jackson-type athletic quarterback. So at the 9, I have Anthony Richardson. Moving on to the 10th spot, uh, the Eagles are going to go with Brian Bercy. And I might change this pick because... Brian Bercy is going to fall a lot in this draft because of his injury history, but the Eagles can definitely use a guy with his skill set to bolster their front seven with a lot of free agents on it at this 10th overall pick. So that's why I liked uh, Brian Bercy at the 110 here. Moving on, the 11th pick, the Tennessee Titans go with Peter Skoronsky, the offensive tackle for Northwestern. Now, I understand this is a bit low for the first offensive lineman to finally go off the board, but I think, you know, this is one of those rare classes where there is so much talent on the defensive side that, you know, it's understandable. Now, Tennessee's offense is going under or undergoing a bit of a facelift here. Todd Downing's out the door, and an offensive lineman would provide some much-needed stability in the middle of this defense. 474 pass-blocking snaps this season, six pressures, no sacks. Now, his arms are a bit short compared to your average NFL tackle, but, you know, that might result in him moving to the interior at times, but as an NFL tackle, wherever he plays guard, he should be one of the best instant impact players in this entire class. All right, flying through now. Moving on to the number 12 overall pick, and that's where the Houston Texans will draft Quentin Johnston. Now, I understand that this pick is going to change depending on what they do at the second overall pick, but right now, I think if they draft a quarterback there, they're going to go with some kind of weapon here, and that's where I think Quentin Johnston goes off the board. Best receiver in the draft, bar none. To me, there's three you know, main, glaringly obvious categories that I look at when grading NFL wideouts, and that's are they big, are they fast, or are they sure-handed? Quentin Johnston's big, fast, and sure-handed checks all the boxes. Average 17.4 yards a catch at TCU. He can stretch the field at any given moment. He creates a complete physical mismatch when he's out wide. This is a can't-miss receiver, by far the best in the draft. Moving on to number 13, that's going to be the New York Jets going with Paris Johnson Jr., the offensive tackle out of Ohio State. Now, it appears to be a foregone conclusion that New York is going to have a new quarterback for the 2023 season, which means the first task on the docket is going to be protecting 
their new quarterback. Now, the Jets have had a bit of trouble drafting offensive linemen in years past. Guys like Makai Becton haven't really worked out, but I think that Paris Johnson Jr. is a much more a much safer bet, a much more consistent guy out there. Uh, six foot six, three hundred ten pounds. He ticks all of the boxes that you would want from a Pro Bowl tackle physically, and he's going to get you instant relief on the edge and make you a much, much more attractive destination for a big name quarterback. Let's move on. Number fourteen, the New England Patriots going with Nolan Smith, the linebacker out of Georgia. Now. This is a guy that's going to get glossed over a lot because of his lack of size, but his strength and athleticism can make him an instant three-down linebacker at the NFL level. He's great against the run, he's great rushing the passer, and he's one of the most sound tacklers I have ever seen fundamentally when taking a look at his film. I think that this guy can tackle at an elite level, he's versatile off the edge, he can drop into coverage all of which are going to make him a very attractive target for Bill Belichick's defense. Let's go number 15, Green Bay Packers, Michael Mayer, tight end out of Notre Dame. And, you know, this pick doubles as a kind of a negotiation tactic to keep Aaron Rodgers in town, but it also fills a massive hole that's going to be there this offseason with Robert Tanyan and Mercedes Lewis hitting the free agent market. Mayer is an elite vertical threat, stretches the field at an elite level. 809 yards this year in a very dysfunctional Notre Dame offense that kind of lacked consistency at quarterback. He blocks at a serviceable lever, uh, level, and his route running is very polished. And with a 4-6-40, he's quick enough to create mismatches against linebackers. Best tight end in the draft by far. Fills a big need for Green Bay. Moving on to number 16. And this is where I have a corner going off the board. That's Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. Now... You look at the stats, one interception in three years, but that's simply because Big Ten quarterbacks knew better than to throw the football at this guy. Six foot two, he's got the frame and the physicality to cover top receivers at the NFL level, but might need to improve upon his 4 5 40 time for his stock to jump to this point. I'm assuming it will, that's why I have him at the 16 in the top corner off the board. But with that being said, quick hips, a smooth transition out of the back pedal. Necessary intangibles for an NFL corner. I like Joey Porter Jr. to go to the Commanders here at number 16. Going to 17 at Pittsburgh. They're going to go with Devon Witherspoon, another corner out of Illinois. They're in the market for a corner, and I think they're going to fill their need at the 17 no matter what. I thought about Emmanuel Forbes and Christian Gonzalez here, but Witherspoon ultimately emerged as the favorite upon further film studies. He's excellent in man coverage, highest graded man coverage corner in the nation, allowed three and a half yards per target during his junior season, 14 pass breakups, a trio of interceptions. I can go on and on with his stats. 180 pounds. He's you know, you know he's going to make up for that lack of size. He's incredibly long limbed. He's agile. I like Devon Witherspoon at the 17 spot. Now we're going to go with Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle out of Georgia, to the Lions at 18. Detroit has some serious holes on the defensive side, and they can easily go with another corner or defensive lineman here. But I really like Broderick Jones. 6'4", 320. He didn't allow a single sack in college, and he would likely move to the inside part of the line for Detroit because they have their two tackles locked up through 2024. But Broderick Jones protected Stetson Bennett in one of the most efficient offenses in college football. He can make an instant impact no matter where he is on the offensive line. Let's go to the 19 now. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Isaiah Foskey, edge rusher out of Notre Dame. 
This defense is going to overgo or undergo a major, major facelift over the offseason. A lot of key pieces hitting free agency. And I like Isaiah Foskey, 22 sacks over two seasons. Defense-savvy head coach at at, uh, Tampa Bay. I like Foskey going here. He can fit in in either a 3-4 or a 4-3 because we know Todd Bowles likes to switch things up. And to me, this is a match made in heaven at the 19. Let's go to 20 now. Moving right along, we're going to go Will McDonald, the fourth to Seattle, the edge out of Iowa State. Now, this guy's just 6'3", 235, pretty small for an edge, but he is a combine warrior. 43-inch vertical. He's strength. He's strong, rather. He's agile. He was on Bruce Feldman's freak list in college. He's an absolute technician in the pass rushing department. He's got quicker feet than anyone, hand usage, and he makes up for his small size with a lot of technical talent. Seattle looks primed to address the need at edge rusher here. I really like Will McDonald going at the 20. All right, moving on to the 21st overall pick, and this is another wrench. Um... I have the Los Angeles Chargers going with Dalton Kincaid, the tight end out of Utah. Now, I understand that he doesn't exactly fill a huge need for the Chargers here, but from what I saw in the latter part of the season, their offense needs a spark. He can add a new dimension to this offense that looked really, really despondent towards the end of the season. He's a vertical threat, and guys like that can go a long way in opening up the playbook and adding some creativity to an offense. I think the Chargers can use that. Kincaid averaged 13 yards a catch at Utah. I like the Chargers to go with him here. Next up at 22, another receiver. I got the Ravens going with Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. Now, Baltimore is going to go with the receiver here no matter what. The only question to me is which one or who. Um, Smith and Jigba's stock has slid considerably due to a lot of injuries. A lot of guys don't have him going in the first round, but to me, they've just forgotten about the complete raw skill that this guy actually possesses. He does damage out of the slot like I've never seen before. He's long, he's lanky, and that makes up for his lack of speed right away. His route running ability is second to none. That's nearly uncoachable. And like I said, with the success that Ohio State receivers have had at the NFL level in the past couple years, that is going to sell a lot of GMs on Jackson Smith and Jigba. Now... Moving to the 23, Minnesota Vikings, Brian Branch, defensive back, Alabama. Minnesota's defense has holes just about everywhere. So to me, what better way to attack all of those holes than going with one of the most versatile defenders in the draft? Branch is a small guy, which would likely relegate him to a nickelback, but he's a phenomenal tackle uh, tackler, phenomenal run stopper. He's prolific in man and zone coverages. He's got elite closeout speed. He can track the ball and play center field. He is going to play everywhere on this defense. That's why I like Brian Branch going at the 23. Let's move on to 24. I've got Kelly Ringo going to the Jaguars, cornerback out of Georgia. And Kelly Ringo is one of the guys that a lot of uh, a lot of analysts don't have in their first round, and I can't figure out why for the life of me. I mean, you know, this guy's the heart and soul, the best defense in college football. Shut down man-to-man corner that's going to blanket your top receiver week in and week out. He's 6'2", 210. That size and physicality can help him fit in perfectly at the next level. Runs a 4-3-5-40, fluid athleticism and hip speed to go with it. To me, this is one of the best corners in the draft. And I know this is a corner deep class, which is why a lot of guys have kind of dropped him out of the top uh, first round. But to me, Kelly Ringo's a first-round corner. I like him going to the Jaguars at 24. They've got a bit of a need in their secondary, so I like Ringo there. 
Let's go to 25 now. The New York Giants, Jordan Addison, wide receiver out of USC. An overwhelming majority of the Giants' passing plays in 2022 were short to medium, mess, uh, mesh crossing concepts. Daniel Jones ranked fifth in the NFL in yards per attempt, and this was entirely due to their lack of a premium downfield threat. Jordan Addison presents the opportunity to instantly fill that void with one easy pick. He's a great route runner, 4-3 speed, premier deep threat in college football. He's got 2,400 yards and 25 touchdowns to his name over the last two season uh, seasons. He's got the ball tracking ability and body control to play center field and hunt down deep balls from anywhere on the field, but it's getting overlooked a lot because of his 175-pound frame. But nonetheless... I, I like Jordan Addison here. I think he's a can't-miss pick if he falls to the Giants at 25. Let's go to 26 now. This is where I have the Cowboys going with Emmanuel Forbes, the corner out of Mississippi State. Now, I considered Bijan Robinson here. I know a lot of guys have him going to Dallas here, but, you know, I couldn't think of a logical reason to do so outside of considering that 30-year-long marriage between Jerry Jones and his star running backs. Forbes has potential as an elite cover corner. He's got a 4-6-40. Going to have to improve on that, but... He's a ball hawk, 14 college picks, going to fit in nicely alongside a guy like Trayvon Diggs. So let's move to 27, the Buffalo Bills, and this is where I have Bijan Robinson going off the board. Buffalo's run game got exposed in the playoffs. Josh Allen is not a sustainable primary rushing option, and Robinson's built like an NFL running back, 6.1 yards per carry, 18 scores while running behind an offensive line that can be assessed as shaky at best at Texas, but... I like Robinson at the 27 to Buffalo. Let's move on to 28. The Denver Broncos going with Zay Flowers out of Boston College, the wide receiver. They desperately need help around Russell Wilson. And, you know, they also need offensive line help. But this pick just comes too late in the round to do so. Zay Flowers has 4.38 speed. He's a suitable deep threat. He's got home run acceleration. He can tightrope the sideline against man. And he blows through soft zone coverage in the blink of an eye. Uh, Denver ranked in the bottom half of the league in yards per catch, and they failed to have a receiver eclipse 1,000 yards, and Zay Flowers could be the answer to all of those problems come next year. So, next at 29th, I have the Chiefs going with Christian Gonzalez, the corner out of Oregon. You know, the Chiefs have been banged up in the secondary this year. There's going to be a lot of turnover in that position group, so that's why I have Christian Gonzalez from Oregon going there. He's a combine warrior. You know, they allow over 24 pass completions per game this year. KC ranked 28th in the league in that department. And Gonzalez is the kind of shutdown man-to-man guy that has the athleticism to bring that number down drastically. He's 6'2", runs a 4'3 flat. He's been reported to run faster than that. So I like Christian Gonzalez going to KC here. Let's move on. We're almost there. Number 30, the Philadelphia Eagles going with Kalaja Kansi, the D lineman out of Pittsburgh. He's six foot two thirty, but he plays like he's six six three twenty. This guy can bench four twenty five. Remarkably, runs a forty in the four six range. Kansi has remarkable lower body strength, and he holds up just fine in the run game. This is another versatile front seven guy for Philly to plug in the middle of that defense. This is that's going to have a bit of turnover heading into next year. So, at the thirty one now, we're there at the end of the first round. Obviously. Not 32 picks this time around. Miami had their pick taken away due to tampering violations. But at 31, Cincinnati going to go with Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Georgia. Now I get that the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, and I've got to flip-flop this pick with the 29th pick. This was made before championship week. But to me, 
Hayden Hurst is out in free agency this offseason, meaning, you know, Darnell Washington fills that need at tight end perfectly. You know, he fits their need at tight end. He's six foot seven. He's the definition of a co-up-and-get-it guy. Premium red zone weapon for Joe Burrow. He's a powerful runner, breaks tackles. He's fast for his size. To me, Darnell Washington is a fantastic pick here. All right, so that's going to do it. Um, You know, we tried to keep it under 30 minutes. I think we did just that, barely. I'm going to go a lot more in-depth with these picks as we get further and further along towards the draft. But for now, I think this is perfect. We went over every pick in the first round, gave a bit of rationale and analysis. But I like the way this podcast went. So... Uh, Looking at next week now, we're going to talk a lot of college basketball as we get uh, closer to the tournament. A lot of college basketball going on the blog as well, so be sure to check out there. This entire mock draft in writing is available on the blog as well, so be sure to check that out. Studentsection.net. Once again, folks, this was episode 15. We drop new episodes every single Friday. You can find us on Instagram at studentsectionpod and, like we said, online at studentsection.net. Subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all your favorite platforms, YouTube, you name it. Download us, share us with your friends. And with that being said, folks, whether you're on the couch or in the bleachers this week, enjoy the games and take care. We'll see you next time.